Hey there! <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Welcome to the Cookie Monster. <laughs> Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage, here in the sunny, frigid tundra of Santa Cruz, California. It's so cold. <laughs> That's a relative <laughs> term, Johnny. My relatives are cold, too. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I love heated grips. Love them. This is new news? <sighs> love them. Just saying. Uh, running the board tonight. It's uh, Stumpy John. What's up, everybody? The KLR is the greatest motorcycle of all time. It has been confirmed once again. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a debate tonight. Uh, oh, good. Oh, okay, good. You finished chewing. And, of course, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darling. This is Miss Emma, and I love chocolate pudding. And this oh, is what you sound pudding, like when too. you don't have cookies in your mouth. Yes. <laughs> But I'm going to put a peppermint in there right now because my breath is appalling. <laughs> I've got the worst has- halitosis imaginable. I think it could call oh, curl fucking wallpaper. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. And uh, hello, dog. Fresh, <laughs> fresh back from the uh, sunny islands of Hawaii. It's Douglas. Hi. How can you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat? <laughs> and, uh, oh. But I did eat my meat. <laughs> you did all of it. I ate all my meat. Oh, my gosh. All right. And looking <laughs> dapper in yellow, it's Naked Jim. Keeping it real. That fucking hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounded like it hurt. Oh, we're we're, we're going to get to that. But first, we got to remember everybody's favorite ginger. It's bagel. Bon appétit, mesdames et messieurs. Ah. Merci beaucoup, mon ami. So, um, <laughs> we didn't we didn't get a lot done in the garage today. A lot of people that changed out. oil. Oh yeah, I gotta yell at there you. There was a bunch of oil changes. What? Hold on. What did I do? What did you do with the oil uh, oil pan when you were done? Put it where I found it. Where did you find it? On the on the uh, lift. No, it, it wasn't on the lift. It was on the lift. I just found it on the ground. And this, I'm have a, I have a beef. Emma, I need you to help me. People are doing oil changes and leaving the oil tubs out and around the property, which then, when they're outside, they get full of tree stuff, and then I have to clean out hmm. oil. I wasn't yeah. the only one to change oil, by the way. Yeah, but you're the one I'm... I'm, I'm but you're the one sitting here right now. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying. I literally put it where I found it. Um, but no, that's we had a good a good time sitting around talking about stuff, and it just that's that's where the podcast comes from is sitting around and just talking about things and what do you think about this, that, and the other. Funny thing is, um, on Friday I was on a ride with uh, Stumpy John here, and uh, I was like, "Dude, what are we going to talk about on Sunday?" Like, I wish I I, like, I got nothing. I, w- I wish you'd stop calling him that later, uh, John. Yes, yeah, just call him uh, Stumpy. And I was like, I was like, dude, how is that better, dude? It's, it's a lot better. It takes, you know, it, 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 it's too many syllables or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was like, dude, I can't believe it. Like five hundred episodes, and it's going to be four ninety nine that I run out of something to talk about. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, oh, what is it? Go what is figure. It? My promise to you, Liza, <laughs> yeah. as long as I'm in the show, you will never run out of things to talk about. Well, wasn't the lead up to four hundred like quite dramatic too? We had like yeah. weeks of 
crazy I had guess. The road to four hundred. What have you done lately? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the famous left and right during that time period. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, John and I went on a <clears throat> a great ride, and uh, here's what I love and why he's loving his KLR. We rode our bikes to yep. the Hollister Hills uh, recreation area. Normally, we trailer our bikes there. But having bikes that you can ride there, then ride around on the trails, and then ride home yeah. is a whole nother thing that's kind of really badass and cool. What did you ride again? The 690 yeah. Enduro. That's an awesome bike, huh? And he was on the KLR. Yeah. It's great. great. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it's 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 fun. It's like the, it's not quite the adventure bike thing, but just to be able to ride to the dirt bike park. And there's enough uh enough challenges on a medium-sized bike to make it you know fun you know doug like from high road like coming down some of those switchback hills Mm -hmm. that are a little bit steep for heavy bikes so you're kind of sliding and navigating the ruts and like hoping you don't go over the edge and yeah just enough challenge was it dry dry and sandy and hard Yes. Yes. It was hard packed with the soft sand, but then mm-hmm. on some of the backsides of the hill, mud. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. Did you monkey around in the playground stuff? I didn't go to the playground, but we were basically alone. Oh, there was nice. nobody there yeah. the day after Thanksgiving. Really? really? I'm surprised. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised I too. Nobody there. Parking wow. lot was There empty. was like five cars in the awesome. daylight. Except a really huh. slow side by side. Yeah. But unfortunately. There was a few quads out there. Yeah. Oh, boo. Mm. And I did encounter on um, going up, uh, you know, Jake's Road up to the other half to go around the back, a dude coming down the wrong way. Ooh. On a quad? Oh. No, no on, a, a on a motorcycle. Okay. Yeah, that's But I'm bad. like, is, are you okay? Is everything good? Like, he said, yeah. So what do you like, mean? Uh, <laughs> just go. Um. But yeah, it there a little debate did come out of it. Oh, did you have something, Jim? That's the time that shit happens when no one's around. That's like when you run into somebody. Yeah, yeah there <laughs> it's were, like there's there the were, Murphy's Law about that. There were a couple quads and a couple little kids with the the parent riding behind them, blocking you from passing, right. so you don't get near the little kid. <clears throat> oh, that's lame. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jeez. I know they're being the protective, guarding you, so you're just trapped behind them. Yeah, most people are like. I, I've seen plenty of parents, and they're just like shepherd their kid over and let you're supposed pass. to. But yeah. we oh, had. Bad. Oh well. So there was one time where like, let's just turn around. You guys should get back. off the little kid trails, maybe. Nice <laughs> 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 zing. But um, a, a debate came out of it. Which one? <laughs> I, I I'm making a claim. I'm making oh, a no. claim. I, yes, I am making a claim. We're not going to go here, are we? Yes. We, it has kind of been known for many years that the KLR650 and the DR650 were excellent Swiss Army knives uh, for bikes. Everyone's agreed to that. You can, de- you can debate which one is better. We're not debating that. Now you got the Tenere 700 that I myself announced is the betterer Swiss Army knife than those two. The betterer, the betterer, more yes. better, yes. more better in, Mo in, better. in modern English. I would agree. Yes. With that. No, I, I think I, I'll delve into American speak and say it's mo better. It's mo better, and but I am declaring that nobody's talking about a bike that's been around a long time, which is the betterest. Is but it's not the six ninety enduro. It's not. I think my six ninety enduro <clears throat> is the betterest. <clears throat> Swiss Army Knife. The, this is babbling from the sick bed, Liza. It really <laughs> is. I mean, it's it's not like you to come in our company and just gibber like a lunatic. 
No, she's got the she's got she's got the orange fever. No, she has. She's got KTM socks. I personally walked into Chaparral Motorsports with Liza, and she was drawn to KTM socks like flies to a piece of poop. She just homed in on them, and there was no reasoning with her. She no, she's got the orange fever. And as good as your KTM six ninety is, it's a great bike. It is a great bike, and mm-hmm. nobody's saying it's a bad bike, right. but it is not a Swiss Army knife. No. I think it is. Well, no. I know you do. <laughs> I think it is. And <clears throat> well, why my, not? My, why not? <clears throat> well, well, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Um, I don't think it's, in my opinion, it's certainly not as good long distance <clears throat> as either the KLR or the DR650. Yes. Um, I think if, were you to ride it, like KLR 650 riders ride their bikes, and to a certain extent, DR 650 riders ride their bikes, I think reliability might be a bit of an issue. So, and you've got to factor that in. You have to factor in running costs. Swiss Army knife. So, John, would you agree that my bike handles the trails better than the KLR 650? 100% agree. Okay. And would you agree that my bike had more power... Uh, and speed on freeway and highway. Yes. And a little, maybe a little more. Did you perform like a semi-scientific experiment Yeah, I'm here explaining with, it. I'm explaining with, it. With so what, I'm, what, what I'm saying is, on a Swiss Army knife, you have many tools. And what you guys are saying is, yeah, but the little scissors don't work as good. No. It's not as good long distance on a long 300-mile <laughs> no. ride I disagree. than the KLR. I'm but like, you know, that's one little really, thing. Wait, no, I'm it's saying not one little you thing. Could, it's not the little thing. It's half you, the thing. You could... Travel, but I think it's better on the street and the dirt than no. all of those bikes. It's not better on the street. But you have to factor in maintenance costs as well. Do and you? you got to, because that's part and parcel of owning a motorcycle, is how much it's going to cost you to keep it in good running condition. you got to factor that in. It doesn't happen often, but I said, Liza has the orange fever, and, and I've got it too. <laughs> oh, no. So I was out on the trails and ran into this dude in the random area, and we started chatting. He pulled up, and we just started talking, and he's a KTM guy, and he loves his 690 Enduro. He's got a, like the, what, the 1190. He's got a 690, mm-hmm. and he was on a brand new 450 dual sport, all KTM. And we just started chatting, and he told me how much he loved his 690 because he lived in some town like an hour away. He could ride it super comfortable, um, get out to the trails where we're at. And I've ridden your your dirt that bike in the dirt. It's great in the dirt, that real low-end grunty power. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he anecdotally he had around, you know what, 20, around 20,000 trouble-free miles out of it. Um, but then again, that that's maybe where the difference starts happening between it and the KLR and the D, you know the DRs is where he, after twenty thousand miles, who knows? But he loved it. And he asked about my four fifty. He goes, "Oh, I'm thinking about getting that." He goes, "Just for the more distance riding, is a better dual sport." And I'm like, "No, it's 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 not comfortable. It's not fun on the freeway." But I thought back to your <clears throat> six ninety, and it's great on the freeway. So I think it's a I think it's the uppity version of your <clears throat> DR. And I, but I will say it's better on the freeway since I put on the steering damper. That oh, did, sure. that and, did fix that. I and felt really comfortable. It's not right. just the steering damper, Liza. And an aftermarket seat. There you go. Well, yeah, we aftermarket have aftermarket seat. seats on all of our bikes. Well, has your 450 oh. got one yet? No, and it won't. Right. So yeah. were you to put... Yeah, but does your Africa Twin have an aftermarket seat? Well, here's an interesting your, thing. My, my 250 yeah. Rally Raid, that thing would do 75 on the freeway. Yes. No problem. 250. 
Yes. A little windscreen, 250, 75, no problem. Because it's a different bike. The 450, I get up to 55. I'm like, this is comfortable. And I, I don't really go much faster than that. So, but here's the deal. A few weeks ago, we went up to Mendocino. What, was it four hours? Yeah. If I'm going to do a four-hour trip and then ride in the dirt, the 690 would have beat me to death by the time I got up there. There's no wind protection. Right. That's How would you suspension. know you've never ridden No, but that's a good point. Wind, you've wind protection never is a thing. ridden it. Would you take your 450 that far? You've no. never ridden it. But, but the wind protection would suck. That If you're going three, four hours, that would suck. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, for yeah. short distances, if you're going to zip over to yes. Hollister, absolutely. Yeah. But if you're going to do agree miles. on a multi-hours, long-distance ride, a KLR would be better. Which is why it's a better but, so, so hold on. knife. Tenere 700 doesn't have the wind protection that a KLR does. Oh, Ooh, didn't think that one, did it you? It has something, doesn't it? Uh, no, not, not much more than what I have. Anyway... This is an open debate, and I'd love to hear from people to see what they think. I'm just saying, yes, Emma, to give up uh, affordability and reliability to get performance. I'm telling you. Is, that, is Yeah, you're getting performance out of it. The orange fever is contagious, but it's the grass is always greener. Me and this guy are in the desert staring at each other's bikes, and he's pointing and goes, I want what you have. Right. I'm looking yeah. at his KTM 450 that's probably like you know I'm, 80 pounds lighter than mine. More, and I'm like, I want what you have. Down at my shop, I have... Plenty of customers who have KTMs who think they're just the greatest thing in the world. And conversely, I have plenty of customers with KTMs who just hate them. Mm. Because of the maintenance or the, the reliability? Yeah. Cost to repair. Cost to repair yeah. and maintenance. We write, and but any performance bike has that. Any, a Ducati, a BMW, yeah. they all right. have that same. There's a commonality amongst the, the high-performance segment, yeah. and it is running costs are extremely yeah. high. <clears throat> Oil filters are expensive. Fuel filters are expensive. Mm. Woe betide you if you do not change your fuel filter in a KTM regularly. Mm. I mean, you know, the fueling systems on them are junk from the factory, so you've got to keep it clean. Okay. I, I, I'm just saying, I think the 690 Adventure, or 690 Enduro, needs to be on that list of bikes that are in the running for the best Swiss I'll throw, Army I'll knife. throw out the uh, uh, Honda 650L. So I think you also got to factor in price. Yeah, you got to factor in entry price too. There it yeah. 650L okay. throw a windscreen. Yeah, like why isn't the 650L in a contender in this? It is because uh, it porky. it doesn't perform as well as the DR or the KLR for all. Oh no, no 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 no! In what condition? Well, well, slabbing maybe. The Honda's better on dirt. If you're in Mexico, right. totally if you're in Mexico, you're taking the Honda 650. But if right. You're, but if you're talking about a freeway capable bike, it's not really good at all on the freeway. You know, I mean, anything. So the yeah. scissors a little dull. Yeah, I know. I know. It depends. It depends on Any what's Italian more important bikes. to you. Which no. which of the tools are more important <laughs> no, no. to you on the, the, on the just, Swiss just Army knife? from a weight standpoint, but, I mean, the 650L is, is going to be performed better in the dirt. Yes, but yeah, by far. for it some will. reason it just depends on how much how, how, suspension like John nailed it, how better much, and it's, yeah. it's lighter. How much I, asphalt you're going to do, that's what that's will it. dictate it. And how much money you got to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I mean how much is a 690 new? It's got to be what, 14. More than we can afford. One exactly. million dollars. Get out the door at a KTM under, easy under 10. Uh, or a KLR. But hey, it, it, it did great. We had a great ride. Um, and awesome. again, I love to have a bike to ride to the dirt and then ride the dirt. Liza's like, fun. hey, I need you to crash so we have something to talk about. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're on comms and I can hear him back there like, oh, 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 and I don't know what's happening. Oh, you know, <laughs> and I keep waiting for that. Of, of going down much like what, um, this sound let's see what could this be <laughs> the sound of jim riding his four riding a wheelie oh. 
That could easily You're be mistaken. That could be mistaken you for something just else. Loving this. <laughs> All right, you're making me sweat. (laughs) That is the sound of a crash. Uh, Jim, what happened? Yeah, I crashed. (laughs) (laughs) I think the consensus was you looked down. I looked down. That's exact. Don't ever look down. That's the name of the. So hmm. where were you riding? Uh, so I was riding down a place I've been before, Southern California. Uh, we were down there. Uh, we've done it a couple of years, a place called Borrego, Borrego Springs. It's a funky little desert town about an hour southish of Palm Springs, maybe an hour and a half uh, east of San Diego. And people might know it uh, because of the Salton Sea. If you've ever heard of the Salton Sea, which was a beautiful lake being developed in the 50s, going to be resorts. You could water ski on it. Oh, right. oh yeah. It was a naturally formed lake by the Colorado River. Like it would over eons back and forth, it'd be a lake and then not then be a lake. This is where um, <clears throat> Cody did that video out oh, there at the Salton Sea, right? Jumping off the yeah. old, old houses so cool. and the dilapidated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, this uh, quick history, I guess. So, it was a beautiful lake like in the 50s, and they began developing it as a resort. Well, they also found there's a lot of farming down there, a lot of citrus, um, a lot of grapefruits. We got some grapefruits. Anyway, that kind of stuff. And the more they farmed it, and specifically they moved the farming to the south, anyway, all the ag runoff went into the lake and utterly fucking polluted it. And as far as I'm aware, all the runoff from Palm Springs, and Palm Springs uses a lot of water. Yeah. With all the <clears throat> golf courses and everything. A shitload of water. Some all goes lawns. in. Oh, it's fucking crazy what they do down there. All yeah. goes in yeah. to the Salton yeah. Sea. And they have this <clears throat> massive die-off where like 100,000 fish. Yeah. It's just, just dead. Die. It's just dead. The whole, yeah. wash yeah, up yeah. And the stink is incredible. So yeah, I highly recommend a visit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's documentaries and shit. An interesting one about government secrets mm-hmm. that crashed into it are still down there. Oh. But uh, but the writing wise, it's a it's the Anza Borrego State Park. Uh, so Anza Borrego and an OHV place called Akatia Wells. So this is open desert. It's partial BLM land, state land. Um, very sandy. So most things are a wash uh, and a wash basically is at the bottom of a gully. It's where all the sand ends up. Um, but I've been there before. It's, it's a hoot. And, uh, a lot of it's like Mars. A lot of it's out of like Western movie looking things, these canyons. Um, very beautiful. It's a big ATV area. So there's a lot of people, um, you know, four wheeling and in trucks, all that kind of stuff, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, you know, you can ride all day and not see anybody. And anyway, what happened, um, you know, riding in the sand is it's, you know, it's, it's not bad. I've gotten better at it, but when you get in Southern California, it's unrelenting. Yes. The sand just never stops kind of coming at you. You'll get breaks right. every now and then, but you'll also have to be like, okay, I'm going to go for like three or five miles here in right. deep sand in third gear. It's so rough. And, yeah. And you know, the, the, that soundtrack, there's a video attached to it. And I watched, <laughs> I watched the video which is the GoPro on your helmet. Yeah. And the one thing, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, God, he's so tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. getting up. You could tell, oh, yeah. you, could tell, you, you, could tell you were beat <clears throat> yeah. just by how you were reacting around the bike. So yeah. I know you'd probably been riding for a long time that day, and you'd probably been in that sand for a long time. Here's the funny thing. I was only about a third of the way in. So that's the funny part. But Mm. some parts of it are just so grueling. 
when you get to an easier part, you're like, I got to get you, rid of my arm pump. I got to, I got to just slow my breathing down. Right. So, and you that's almost what get it like a second wind. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay, I got to, I'm going to chill for a minute. Cause I just been like, that was really intense for a while. And then, um, that's when I eat shit. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, fucking no, I'm going to relax now. And my weight got a little forward on the bike and it was kind of, it's hard to see cause the, the light can get really flat in the middle of the day. So it was between hard pack and sand yeah. and deep sand and you know, like cement kind yeah. of all that. stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I just, the front flat. tire hit something really soft and I made the mistake and I just looked straight, I looked straight down. And I, I realized I just looked down, and then next time I just kind of went ass over the handlebars. <laughs> that's that's what target fixation will do. It, you know, it's funny, and I, I was, <laughs> I was challenged by that. That was like my challenge for the rest of the time was trying to keep my eyes up in the sand because it's magical. Mm-hmm. Like we know, if you keep your eyes up for the most part, and you mm-hmm. do, you, you're conscious of your weight, and stay on the gas. You don't have to be going fast, but stay on the gas. You'll end up going wherever you're looking at. Right. But it's yep. so hard not to look down because there's, you know, there's sandy ruts and there's or ruts a baby and head rocks. sticking out. But you know, if all you have to do is pick pick your head up and you'll be fine. But it's it's a challenge. Yeah. But yeah, I was just just being lazy for a second, and you know, gravity, mother yeah. Na- mother nature don't give a fuck. Yeah, I know. So it was, but uh, yeah, just I got like mm-hmm. a mule punch in the thigh from a handlebar and tweaked a finger Ooh. a little bit. So no worse for wear. You, you sent me that, much worse for wear. You sent me that video. My first response is, and that's why I don't ride sand. Yeah, that's what you texted then, me back. I'm and, like, and, like and this. And then the next thing I texted, texted was, and Doug, you know this. Yeah. And how's the bike? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the next important question. Yeah. Dude, it's very important. Well, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you Matt, how about, are you? How's the bike? We talked about this. You self-assess pretty fucking quick when you launch off the bike, man, yeah, right. especially yeah. out there. And you're like, everything's moving and you could tell my you couldn't tell but my leg was trapped under the bike for a little bit so i did that's part of why i was rolling over as i had to pull it out and the first thing i thought about was africa twin i'm like oh, this yeah. is africa twin where would i be right now you right, had to pick right. that thing well, up you know, oh, it's um, oh. for for a long long time and i hope they still come back um max and will the mm. oh, yeah, yeah. Canadians, would stop at emma's house between um i Thing had come down from BC, British Columbia, mm-hmm. and end up in Baja, Mexico. Yeah. And Max told me the last time he came to, God, he looked terrible. You know, he had a shower and a shave, <laughs> and he looked a lot better afterwards. But I didn't even recognize him when he showed up. And I thought, man, this must have been a rough trip. And he was on a Tiger 900, but an old Tiger 900, John, not the one you ride. Right. And he'd crashed it. <laughs> on um a trail that was used by trophy trucks mm. and the bike just lay on its side for oh, three shit. for three days because he didn't have the strength to pick mm. it up and he was absolutely terrified he'd be halfway through trying to pick it up and some oh, giant yeah. trophy cu- truck had come past Fucking and mow him down so him. for like three days the thing was just sitting on its side Jeez. until a helpful guy came along and then they was both he camping there did he camp yeah he camped around Dude. the bike camped prepared off overnight. the trail prepared yeah. overnight so you know and hmm. for you, Liza, me with your knees, oh yeah, you'd be in big trouble. No, I looked into. There are things. Um, like, either you make sure you go with people who can lift your bike, which I've always done, or lift but you. But there's also um, there are types of bike jacks that you can carry with you that are a jack system to lift it up. Or have, don't, a, don't have a friend call Jack. I've looked into those things. There are things. There are things. The only, the only place you're proper fucked um, in general, this is why riding with someone, I'm trying to ride with people more and more, is um, sand. Because yeah. the problem is you can't, your feet won't dig into anything. 
so you can't get leverage with your feet yeah, or your I knees noticed to you drive. were kind of scrambling around trying to get the bike up and the mm-hmm. stand down. And, if and it was an ordeal for you, wasn't it? <laughs> I finally get the fucking thing up and I lean over and pop the stand down, but it's too close to a rock, so I, I won't right. lean over, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I, yeah, I think riding with someone's a good idea. I just invented a thing. Hmm. What is that Did thing? You? I just had an idea for a thing. So um, what if there was a uh, like a an arm that is hinged onto the bike that's retracting. Like think of like a an extending like cane or something, right? So that it's in little one foot sections. So that it can be attached to your bike. So when it's on the ground, you have that out and then when you start to lift the bike it starts coming under like a, a, a Oh leg. like a cam. Yeah, like a cam. And then as you lift it it could be spring loaded to Ratchet, ratchet out and not ratchet back. Well, so I've got, I've, every time you push it up a little, it should. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if it's hinged, then it should swing underneath the bike until, like a really tall kickstand, yeah, basically. Yeah. I got you. Oh, that could be a thing, right? Get on it. Yeah, I know. You could have it on your um, like if you have a, a rack, <clears throat> it could be hinged to the rack, and then you just flip it over. <clears throat> yeah, I mostly Ooh. go with hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much anyway. my go-to. Uh, yeah, it could it could be a thing. Yes. Um, oh, well, here, but I, I will little top tip maybe. Oh, um, yeah. If you ever anyone ever wants to go down to the desert anywhere, it's all great. What we did this time, we rented a house in Borrego Springs. Very reasonable. It was a house oh, nice. in this little desert town. Um, two acres fenced in, so the dog could run around, no problem. Pool and a hot tub, so you could cook your own food, see the stars at night, hot mm-hmm. tub whenever. Um, but it's a great way to start an end of day. You, so, you love oh, I can only imagine. Fuck yeah, and it's reasonable down there. So um, anyway, just instead of you know, like my friend says, it's not vacation when you sleep you know, on the ground. The the high desert in California is just it's just lovely. Yeah. It really is, and there is nothing better than sitting out in the evening and watching the sun go down. There's just gorgeous colors down there. The purples and oranges as the sun goes down. Crack a beer, sit around. Yeah, we actually did that. We well, we <laughs> we had a, we had a little little travelers and hopped in the truck and just did a little four wheeling through the desert. Yeah, another Borrego Springs is where they have those metal sculptures. The, yeah, the dragon's the famous one, but there's a whole bunch of them out in the <clears throat> desert. So yeah, we just had a little sipper and just tootled well, around a little safari. You know, a lot of the artists do these sculptures specifically so you look at them in the, in the sunset sky. And that's when they come into their own. It's just an amazing place. I think the the best advice you've given, the the tip for going off and riding trips like this, I don't know if you've heard this one, Douglas. Mm. Everyone thinks to take water or to take extra gas. Yes, and yes. But the one thing that he's, he's come up with, pack sneakers. Sneaks. Pack sneakers in case you have to push your bike. I do that some. Well, if not push it, just walk, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're or, outside, yeah, in case you have to, yeah, in case, that, in case yeah. you have to walk. If you got to hump it that seven or eight miles. Really advice. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and even just after a long day of riding, wearing your riding boots, it feels really nice to cha- change into some sneakers at the end of the day. Yeah, but take them with sure. you on your adventure in case oh, yeah. you have to walk out. Yeah. And a toe sure. strap. There's another top. Tip. Bring a toe strap. Prepare to self rescue. At least, <laughs> yeah, at least help other people help I you. Know, I know. Bring a toe strap. Um, so I wanted to get today's topic, which is many different topics. In fact, um, I I had an idea. It's uh, this segment is called motorcycle news. Do we care? <laughs> we yeah. only care about ourselves, darling. Uh, and and here's why. There's been so many things coming out from like Eichma and different news stories about new bikes and and new stuff. And it's like, 
do we really care? I, I don't know. So I have assigned everyone here with their own story that they're going to share and say, do, do we care or not? Um, I need to get my phone from because <laughs> that's right. where my story is. Yeah, go get your phone. Well, I'll, actually, I'm no, mine. you could just hand me your phone when sure. you're done. And sure. I can read my story off that. Um, so I'll start. Yes. So mine um, is about a, a, a new bike that's being unveiled. And uh, the title is, Here's a Chinese Cruiser That Can Bury the Harley Davidson 48. And this kind of um, surprised me. It's a good looking cruiser. I was surprised well, looks to see like a Harley. who's making this, and it is SWM. And we've talked about SWM before. We know them for making these husky dirt bikes and, and dual right. sports that they basically bought the, the, the design and the tooling and just are making old huskies under the name SWM, but they're really their Chinese bikes. Well, now they have made a, it's a, it's a complete knockoff. Of a Harley Davidson forty eight. Is it the uh, Stormbreaker? The, it's uh, the Windbreaker. <laughs> no, the it's v, it's v called the custom yeah yeah custom V twelve hundred, and um, it's a good looking bike. Um, well, it looks just like you showed me the picture of the bike, yeah. and I'm like, there's a Sportster. But it's an SWM Chinese bike. Okay. So um, here's a, a couple things that I I find are interesting. It's got the a twelve hundred cc V twin engine. I mean. It really looks like a Harley, um, but um, they've upped the output um, 14 more horsepower than Harley does. So it's now 80 horsepower out of this 1200. Okay. And uh, they've done some things like uh, Harley has analog um, uh, uh, control, not controls, um, uh, instrumentation. instruments. This is digital. It's just it okay. changes out LED I, lights. I'm trying to like see that. what the uh, who made the suspension. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I'll see if I can. Yeah. Um, oh, I have a confession to make about but, suspension, which I will make later. <laughs> oh, it's, ter- it's I've been terrible. It's a good looking bike. And here's why I think we should care and why we don't care. There's, it's too, it's too far. <coughs> so here, here's why we, we don't care here in the U.S. We're never going to see it here in the U.S. because it's too much, too close of a copy to the Harley Davidson right. 48 that they would get sued for it. So we're never going to see it here. But here's why I think everyone else should care. I think um, having traveled around the world, different parts of the world, mm. people are fascinated with Harley-Davidson's. They're considered an exotic uh, motorcycle in right. other parts of the country with quite a following. So I think in like the UK where it's going to be released in 2023, I think this will be very popular. I, because Harleys are very expensive in other parts of the world. Right. Extremely expensive. Well, they're expensive here, let's be honest Yeah, with I know, but they're even more yeah. expensive over right. there. But it, it, but it's not a Harley. I, I, exactly. I, I wanted, but I don't think exactly. that matters as much. We said much. the same thing about the dirt bikes, too, but people still aren't flocking to them. But no, right. I, like, right. I have a friend on Instagram who's in the UK and uh, just got a first Harley and could not be more stoked. And you know, he doesn't want the... You know the Italian version. Yeah, I don't think in the in like UK and other countries is as important to have that Harley Davidson name as it does to have a big twin cruiser. 
I would love is, to hear some feedback you know? from them on Yeah, that, I would too. Is that true? Emma? I, I, don't I mean, I've agree. been here for 25, 30 years. I don't know. We've got plenty of listeners in the yeah. UK. <laughs> yeah, get back to us. So, um, you don't speak I, for I all think, things I UK? I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think it looks good. It doesn't look like a Japanese cruiser. It looks like an American. No, I, it, no, b- I will go twin. further. It looks exactly yes. like a Harley. If I got, it is a blatant copy. If I got a hair up my ass to get to get a Harley, I'm getting a Harley. I'm not getting a, a knockoff. So, uh, so this guy might yeah. follow us on the on the podcast. Not, hold on, not if it's half the price. A Chinese yeah. bike versus an American then bike just, over in the UK. Then I just wouldn't. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. So from the UK, uh, out on the loud American all day, heart American flag flexing arm popped up to see my favorite. Blah blah blah. So yeah, it's the American. Thing. You know, yeah. It it kind of gets to you. So when I bought that Superglide. I bought it as a flipper. And is that different than a tosser? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and I thought, no, I'm just going to flip this thing because I'm not that into Harleys. Is that different from a fluffer? Mm, um, yeah. Very. <laughs> but everybody yes. likes a fluffer. <laughs> I'm riding along on the thing and I'm in Hollister. You know, when you're riding on this country road and mm-hmm. you've got the telegraph poles by the side of the road and things thumping underneath you. I've got some stupid Bob Seger song stuck in my head. <laughs> And I'm like, this is great. In it the birthplace does, of the American biker. It it kind of does. Yeah, but do you get the same feeling on an Indian? Probably, but it wasn't well, an that's Indian. Well, that's still an American bike. Yeah. Do you get the same feeling on a, on a V-Star? I had the same you, feeling on a, ro- on a Roadstar. I did. Because I wasn't married to the Harley image. I loved my Roadstar. Had you already had owned big, an Harley? Uh, had you already owned a Harley at that no, point? No, it was a big twin mm. that I, I loved, and those were great bikes. No, Roadstars are great. Oh, they are great bikes. bikes. They're just not Harley Davidson. Right, because I wasn't buying into the image of Pinko Harley Davidson. I was buying into big twin motorcycle. So I think it will be successful. Well, I'm not so sure, and it 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 certainly boils down and you've heard me say this Mm -hmm. many 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 times before reverence for the domestic manufacturer and there is none well there you go that's my opinion well let's see uh who else has an article that they're ready to share john you want to do yours sure so we're going to talk about the uh the ryu hold on All right, I gave yeah. you... Which one did I give you? Uh, you gave me two, but I'll start with the Rayu. Oh, right, yes. So uh, the Rayu introduces a, a bike called the Adventure... Rayu. <laughs> sorry, Rayu. Rayu. Adventure 500 Legend ADV bike. So this is a yeah. a midsize, lower midsize, I'd say, uh, adventure bike that's kind of based on the looks of the of the Africa Twin. Uh-huh. It looks a lot like, just, just like a Africa Twin or the yeah. Tenere, se- Tenere so 700. It's got a... Say it again. What's the... What? Rehu. Okay. Rehu 500. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's R I E J U. Rehu. Uh, it's a 500 legend. So it's got a four... Uh, it's parallel twin. So it's, a, so it's funny because it looks like the Africa Twin, but it also has a similarities to the... Uh, CB five hundred X. Oh, it's those gold rims that get me. It's got the gold gets rims. Gets me every yeah. time. So man. F- it's got four seventy one cc's, about forty seven ps of power, and forty three newton meters of torque. Uh, same engine. They have they use the engine in different places. So, yeah. So, uh, the engine is made in China by Lonkin. It's like they make lots of engines for lots of people. 
So that's not an issue in my view. Um, yeah. So basically what we have is a 500 CC adventure bike. That's a parallel twin. That's uh, kind of like a cross between Africa twin and a CB 500. Yeah. It says it's reportedly under a Honda license. So there's yeah, so some sort license. of Honda yep. yeah, oversight there. Well, Emma always had feelings about a, a 500 twin dirt bike. And this seems to be what the China, the, the Japanese are making in I mean, China. I kind of like it, uh, you know. So what, what's I, I your? I like it too. Yeah, yeah. it looks I, nice. I I have an issue, but John, since you're, got do you, so do you care? So here's here's the news. Do you care about this? I do care. Um, okay, because I think that it's a uh, it's it's a market that doesn't have a whole lot of size motorcycles. I think the CB500 is probably the only one that's an adventure bike. I mean, you got the the 390 Adventure from KTM. You got the T7. There's not a whole lot of 500s that are in there that are adventure bikes, not enduro bikes. Wonder how hard is it could the old Rehu Rehu parts? Well, if it's if it's a clone of parts, if it's a clone of a of a Honda, yeah, you know this should be fairly easy. It's I think great it's looking well, bike though. I like it, but it's not a clone of a Honda. It's, the engine is though. I think you know. I think for a the engine five, is. if you had like mm-hmm. a smaller statured person, I would say. That, a 500 cc adventure bike is a is a pretty neat idea. I think this would be yeah. great for a, for a smaller statured person. But see, that's where I come in, and I'm like, I don't know that we need a 500 cc adventure bike. 500 cc is a street bike, a commuter bike, a, a an enduro be, bike. I, I don't just picture think this it's for an adventure rider. bike. You know, it's got 2118, so it's got the right wheel sizes. Yeah, but what do we know? Seat height? We don't know that it's no. For it doesn't a, have any specs a, like a shorter that. rider. We don't know that it's for a shorter rider, especially if it's modeled. Thirty-nine after. liter gas tank. I mean, there's a lot here to like. I think it, uh, it, it, it is the CB five hundred engine. X yeah, engine, huh? it is. Uh, I just feel like for a for it to be an adventure bike, I think we're looking at a seven to eight hundred cc minimum for it to be able to do. Okay, check. But why though, Liza? You'll like this. Yeah. Okay, here's a curveball at you. Okay. What's really off the charts for this new entry is the Adventurer's 500's bum killing fuel capacity of 10.3 gallons. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> Fucking 10 gallon fuel tank. I love that bum killing. So there's that. <laughs> 600 you can go 600 miles on this fucking thing. Oh, 32 inch seat height. So where's that? What's 32.3 inch seat height? Um, it's getting up there. And 418 pounds, so, 30, so that's not 33 light. inches, said? 32. And that's lower than a KLR by far. Is Stock, it? Stock, yeah. 418 pounds, though. It's, yeah, not with 10 gallons. It's lighter than a So here's the argument. You get a bike that's stocked is lower than a KLR. You've got It's got 10 more horsepower than a KLR. It's lighter than a KLR. So Fucking looks way better. It looks does look better than the KLR, as much as I love them. Does yeah. it come with an aftermarket smaller gas tank? <laughs> yeah, it might be too much. Well, just don't fill it up as much. It just needs seven or eight gallons. So, I don't know. I think it, I, I, it's intriguing. Now, I don't know the yeah. price point. Well, this is like if someone was like, hey, the Honda CB500X, five, whatever 500X, if they made it more off-roady, this is what they've done. Exactly. exactly. They've made it more off-roady, which is cool. It's a cool thing to do. Something I would, you know, for the right rider, I think this is a great... Not, yeah, it's a great step up from a smaller bike. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, right. I'm 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 on the fence. I, I think well, 500 is too small for an adventure. It's available bike. everywhere. But what it's, if it was at ICMA, So we're not sure. But oh, what yeah. if you're like a medium sized, you know, person? You know, yeah. like five five. Well, you know, 130 pounds or something. KLR is next year is making a lowered version. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but we, they're we, so easy you, to lower. You, we don't know that this is that small. It, when it has adventure on it, it's usually not 
a short bike flat i mean look how look at the the how much clearance it has underneath that's that's a tall no it looks like it looks like an african twin yeah 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 yeah, so i think think it's cool i think it's cool too i I just i just think 500 might be underpowered nah not not if not if you're 160 pounds it's not you know what i mean or 180 pounds there's there's a long way to go on this bike i think yeah it's got six six speed so you got a highway oh yeah i I like it yeah i do too okay so to keep it's a toss-up okay all right doug you want to go uh sure are you ready helmets do we care (laughs) (laughs) let me find the demo of course we care (laughs) all right so Liza gave me this article uh it's a canadian article from cbc news yeah uh titled motorcycle helmets bought from online platforms had counterfeit safety certifications test fines and what they found in canada was that um three major platforms uh ebay amazon and walmart their online marketplace were selling False DOT certifications on name brand helmets. That's some bad karma. Which name brand helmets they didn't say. And I'm not sure if this is just uh, in Canada or the U.S., but where they were selling these helmets. But, um, uh, quote unquote, marketplace purchase items or helmets for sale on Amazon, eBay, and Walmart's marketplace advertised as U.S. Department of Transportation DOT certified. And to clarify, it's third-party vendors. Right. And so... Uh, this there was a company that did tests on these certain helmets and they failed miserably. So basically, they slapped a sticker on no DOT certification, uh, selling name brand helmets. So technically, any eBay purchase is a third party, right? R- right, right. Yeah. Um, but Amazon and Walgreens, you'd be under the assumption you're buying from them. I bet you Alex <clears> and not a third a party, <laughs> and that these are Chinese counterfeit helmets. So this marketplace company also asked the U.S. Department of Transportation's uh, the NTN. Oh, what is it? That's fine. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we get it. <laughs> the NSTH, yeah, whatever. And they said, yeah, we we do kind of randomly test these helmets sometimes. Otherwise, you know, if someone uh, brings it to our attention, we'll certainly investigate and test and and recall if necessary. Uh, so ultimately, do we care? I'd freaking hope so. Yeah. Well, and one thing they didn't clarify if these were counterfeit of existing helmets, like if they were selling it as a bell or something. Right, right. But it sounds like they're not, that they're just so. No, said it was under brand names, right? Was it? Yeah. yeah I mean, you're not oh, going to put counterfeit okay. stickers on a helmet that has no value. Your, your yeah, basic okay. aim is to rip people off. Right. That's scary. This but is they, scary. Yeah, they, they show, there's pictures in here that show testing of the helmets versus actual helmets that are certified and the, the, the difference is staggering. I mean, this is a good reason to go to well, a shop to buy a helmet. Right. So, right. And, and this brought up the whole thing we were talking about at the garage today, that to to have a DOT certified uh, helmet, what they say in this article is, it's a self-regulated system. Right. That a manufacturer who goes through the testing to get the certification buys the stickers and puts them on. There is no governing body who's going to make sure you're not selling something that's not DOT approved. It's they trust they're trusting the companies, which is why it's so easy for somebody to make a counterfeit and put it out there for sale because mm-hmm. you can buy a sticker on eBay that says DOT, uh, which is kind of weird that there isn't some sort of now. What if these are more like, of a inspection point? That, you know that's what I mean? Where the snail comes in, right? Yeah. What if they're like half German helmets that Harley guys ride and don't care? Jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I think I think that we do care about this because yes, I think do. the people who we are do. most likely buying cheap helmets online 
are usually newer writers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you ultimately go to a place where you can try one on. And oh, I, I don't know about sure you. It's legit. In Pakistan, I saw some sketchy helmets. <laughs> they were like yeah. barely ever plastic lids. Yeah, well, I think I bought one that cost three dollars. Oh, nice. <laughs> it came to just just a, between my lips, like not even down my chin. Yeah, it's not With even a hard thing. hat. It's just a yeah. thing. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate to hear that that is happening. I look. I know when I go to like AliExpress and stuff. There's helmets there that are not name brands that I know. You know um that you're like uh that's us i don't i don't think i would buy that but if they're actually calling them other brands and knocking them off oh that sucks yeah that yeah. really sucks it's almost as bad as somebody buying knockoff climb gloves oh. <laughs> who would ever do that <laughs> who would do that for shame liza i Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I saw Liza's mind just thinking all the things she's gotten through. Uh, no, but I mean, there's a world of difference between buying knockoff gloves knowing they're knockoffs. What about handlebar risers? Oh, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> hey, hey Bell, if you're listening. How about uh, steering dampers? No. Yes. What do you mean, no? Fuck, I would never. Anything that attaches your handlebars so, to the motorbike, more or less. I was I would talking not. to Scotty, who also bought one of those. Scotty Pippin? Uh, no, Scotty, who was in the garage <laughs> today. So, <laughs> how MJ. much? How much was your Scott steering dampers? Like six thirty. It was yeah. expensive. Yeah. So we both bought the ones for two hundred dollars that are identical, other than having the engraving on the top. Like you, we looked at it, and Scotty said that she took the top off of hers yes. to look inside, and that. It was all functioning, right? Right. That she's very happy with the quality. And I believe oh. that that is one of the cases where it's a factory overrun of the same product you bought. Because sometimes it is just a, a factory overrun. The fa- You know, Scotty orders from the factory in China says, we need 10,000 units and they make 13,000 units. I get it. 3, I, I, I rely on hope all the time, too. So sometimes it is, <laughs> it is a cheap just knockoff not, that is not worth it. Okay. And that was one I think. I won. That that was a good one. I've got a confession to make. Oh, uh, what? I'm Another one? Make, yeah, and I'm going to make it right now because I think it's appropriate. So, as you know, I am doing a build <laughs> right now on a Yamaha mm. XS1100. Yeah. And I want it to look good because I like my bikes to look good. But I don't want to spend a massive amount of money because an XS11, as good a bike as they are, they're not high-dollar bikes. And this is what, what your bike? 79. Yeah, it's not a new bike. Right. So, um, <laughs> I bought a pair of knockoff Olins for the back. Oh, yeah. and, no, these things are amazing. They've got Aha. gold. They've got gold anodized piggybacks on them. They've got yellow springs. They've got blue anodized. They're adjusters. amazing. They're sparkly. They are exact knockoffs of Olins, and I ferreted around in the drawer at work, and I found an Olin sticker, and I oh. put. <laughs> Sorry, oh God, I feel so terrible. But that's what makes them real, right? Exactly. No, but exactly. Uh, just, just, but, yeah. just to bring it back, there are sometimes the knockoffs may be just as good. In this case, I think what we're all saying is, don't buy a helmet that's a right. knockoff. Don't buy a helmet. That's well, a steering dampers, even shocks. You know, if they're a bit bouncy and the steering damper's not great. But helmets, you rely on right. a helmet mm-hmm. to do its job 100%. And 
People are not putting hokey fake stickers on good quality helmets. These things are just shitty quality. And the chances so, are you buy a helmet that you think is going to save you. So uh, just, I guess, my best advice, and I'm only making a guess here. It sh- the price, whatever the price is online, wherever you're buying, it should be close to the manufacturer's suggested price. Yeah. Right. If it, yeah. if the deal is too good to be true, it probably is. It's too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that comes into play, at least for me, it's certainly mental. You know, I don't want. I have enough issues writing, obviously, that I don't want to be in the back <laughs> of my mind being like, should I should I've gotten that, you know, cheaper, you know, part, you know, oh, for yeah. my bike that I'm, at, you know, that now I'm kind of relying on, you know. So even mentally, I think that would just fuck with my head if I got a, you know, if I got a knockoff Chinese steering damper. I think every time I look down at it, I've been like, I should have spent the extra four hundred dollars just so I wouldn't be tripping on it in your yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. yes, it's right. bad enough place on a good day. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Doug. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Jim, do you have yours ready? I do, and uh, I, you know, when you gave it to me, I was utterly bored at first, and <laughs> now I still am. No, I'm actually kidding. So I found it to be uh, to be interesting. Well, Hope, maybe hopefully, the an- you do maybe too. the answer is we don't care. Don't it, that could be the answer. Yeah. Um, so turning trash into treasure, Bearing Freeway Kit created using 70% recycled plastic. It said kit because it's one of those British uh, publications. Oh, that makes sense. So uh, uh, French- Wait, and Emma, what does kit refer to? Um, a kit is basically what you wear. You know, it's your, your yes. clothing. It's your clobber. So your if you're... If you're <laughs> your clobber? If, yeah, clobber. Good night, clobber. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know your French clobber, <laughs> if you know your French clobber, uh, Bearing is a French motorcycle uh, clothing company. They've been making nice stuff for a while. It's kind of high end. Yeah, synthetic yeah, I stuff. know Bearing stuff. It's very yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty neat looking stuff. Um, and but what they started doing is making it out of recycled plastic <clears throat> bottles that are sucked up out of the ocean. Oh. And I'm I'm super down with this now because they're finding plastic in everything now, right? Like in embryos, and it's just totally permeated people. And I hate to always say like it's too late to do anything about it. So I actually found this to be interesting. The the one thing I like is the, the jackets look good, um, but more importantly, they're using a ton of these bottles. I think what was the number? Thirty million or billion bottles. Yeah, 30 billion plastic bottles from the environment have recycled it. But it's this fabric called Reprieve that they're using in a bunch of different things. So Nike's using it, North Face is using it. And it reminds me of like a a Revit jacket, like a white and black Revit kind of looking jacket. Mm -hmm. It also has some funky tweed paneling as well. So nice European touch, uh, uh, like a funky tweed thing. So should we care? Uh, You know, it's just one more jacket. Um, I think it's interesting because I don't think we pay enough attention to what they make overseas, especially in Europe, because um, the weather's so shitty over there and they write all the time. Ooh. So that, like my Merlin jacket I got is from the UK because it's fucking bomb because they have to write in shitty weather. So I, I think it's kind of interesting because it opens a door to international. Uh, I was trying to understand well. how plastic bottles become a jacket. And I don't know if you read this line. It says the bottles are cleaned, flaked, melted and extruded to form fibers that are then spun into yarn to be used in a variety of products. Yeah, it looks like these giant oh, wow. plastic rolls that you would lift with a, a, a material handler and load onto freight cars. And then huh. they're just starting to make all sorts of shit out of it. So, I mean, I guess it's still plastic. I don't know if that's the. I don't know if there's any better use for it, but well, at least it's not floating around the ocean. So, no, I think yeah. that's great, Emma. If you can interpret this um, the sentence for our listeners, yes. <laughs> so the the suit should be available uh, with the jacket retailing at four hundred and sixty four pounds, yes, and the trousers at two hundred ninety nine pounds. Right. So four hundred and sixty four pounds is a 
about that's getting up there. That's it's about five and a quarter, right? Yeah, five five hundred and fifty dollars, and the trousers, the pants. It's still uh, yeah, but it's a it. You know, three hundred and three hundred and fifty bucks, easy. Five fifty eight. So, but that's still a deal compared to climb, unless you get the knockoff stuff. Right. <laughs> but I tell you, climb gear is no fucking deal. I tell you what. Part so here, of, here's my French. Right? But it's good. But it's good gear. So yeah. I think it's awesome that we're building clothes out of bottles. I think that's yes. wonderful. Yes. Do I care about a motorcycle jacket? Not really, because it's not going to move the needle. Once yes. you start, you know, building jeans and stuff for the mass market, hundred percent down with that. Yeah, I th- and I think also if it, if, if it appealed to you aesthetically, like if you're like, well, yeah. that's a great looking jacket, huh? and it does that, cool. And there are, you know, and there are younger people, believe it or not, than us that ride motorcycles, and they do care a lot sure. more about that kind of shit. So hopefully, you know, at least it, it's an option. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think John just Maybe, no, I kinda wanna buy one. won that argument. I think I don't care anymore. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything environmental, I think I'd be with you on that one. Oh, well done. Uh, bagel. How about your article? Are we going to care? Well, maybe. I think <clears throat> I think it's something that that is worth caring about. If it's about a scooter, I don't care. Oh, Emma. But what if well, it's a kitten? It, <laughs> if it's a kitten, it is a scooter. Care. But it's not just your average scooter, though. Uh, this is a, a a rather well. Let's just say it's unusual. It looks like it it's is, made of Lego. Yeah, it does look kind of Lego-like. Um, it's the Horwin Senmenti Zero. Uh, this is an uh, a company made by an or a scooter made by an Austrian-owned company that manufactures their products in China. Um, and this bike is apparently, from everything I've been seeing, is destined for the European market specifically, but. <laughs> May end up in other Asian markets and places too. Yes. Can I point out that maybe this is another one of those names that didn't should have made it through the translation? Horwin. Well, I, I you know I don't know. Uh, I wonder if there's a whole lose. Send Menti. Well, is it actually I, I, the hor the semen the Horwin semen? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Horwin Menti. Hey. It's like. It's well, that'd, really, be, that'd be related that, to the dog then, right? Samore. <laughs> yes. That's Samore. Oh, it's been a long time since Italian hey, Spider-Man. Hey, it's Italian <laughs> Spider-Man mobile. And it's super trick. <laughs> it is trick. Yeah, I mean, this has this is this is quite an interesting bike. All right. Um, now, I, I don't I don't know the history of this company. Now, I, I suspect this might have been a small Austrian manufacturer from years ago that has been revitalized and you know, uh, made into a modern company. I don't know. Emma, have you heard of Harwin before? No. Okay. I mean, yeah, 200 I, kilometers I, an hour. I remember Horex very, very yes. well. We're German manufacturers. Yeah. Um, German but Horwin? No. Yeah. I've I mean, never heard of it either. They may have but, been going back then, but anyway. Yeah, but, but apparently they have produced a, a, a motorcycle before, like an electric motorcycle, I think. I, I didn't, didn't really look into that too much but but this scooter has it's all electric and it has 186 mile range okay and that and that's not at 20 miles an hour that's at 55 miles per hour oh, really yeah this bike also has a 124 mile per hour top speed oh I told you, man, 200 kilometers per hour. Yes, 200 kilometers per hour. That is going to be terrifying on little wheels. Well, and and I've not been able to find out how big the wheels are. I suspect they're probably at least 14 or 15 inches. 
based on the speeds. Um, but I, I couldn't get, I couldn't find specs on it uh, yet. But um, but it is equipped with fast charging, which will get it up to eighty percent in thirty minutes. Uh, it will do zero to one hundred kilometers per hour, which is sixty two point five miles per hour, in two point eight seconds. Uh, it has a four hundred volt electrical system, which is a, a pretty high voltage for for electric vehicles. In, depending on on the especially for, for electric scooters, that's very high, which is not surprising considering how much power it produces. Uh, and speaking of power, it produces 600 newton meters of torque at the rear wheel. That's 442 pounds feet of torque. How many fig newtons is that? 442 fig newtons. Fig newtons. I'm sorry. Fig, fig newtons is 600 fig newtons. Hey, Emma, can you make a little more noise? She can. No, I mean, when I'm presented with a large diameter salted caramel cookie there's no there's no reasoning with me i think liza's got a mouthful of chocolate chip so yeah exactly it's contagious <laughs> you know so right you make, so, pl- oh, make plenty of noise opening rush. that so, john bagel my first question is john seriously it's a cookie all right no you more can, loud you, packaging loud Bagel, so my question what is: what all I'm, these claimed, what, what, all these claimed numbers. Yes. How close do you mm-hmm. think they are to being accurate? Well, that is a very good question. Um, I I would really like to think they're very close to accurate because I really like those numbers. Those sound like really fun numbers, um, but we, we shall see. Um, now. There, there are some interesting things about the design of this bike, and, and I really would like to find out more about it because part of this makes me a little nervous, but it could actually end up producing a very, um, a very, a very efficient design that would you know, make this a, a really good bike. Um, it has basically the, the main frame of the bike is built around the battery. So hmm. they're marketing this as the, the battery is a structural member of the frame. Hmm. I, and the motor is part of that structure as well. So you have basically the motor attached to the back of the battery with the electronics all in the same central, uh, I guess, a cradle of the, of the frame. Um, so it's, it's all one stress member of the chassis. Um, and then it has a swing arm off of the rear that's belt driven. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's a very purpose-built machine. Um, and if these numbers prove to be realistic, um, they've got a really, a really awesome competitor on their hands here, especially with the fast charging. Um, you know, that's going to be key with something that, that produces this much power and, and consumes that much power. All right. So you're talking about all the, the, those stats. What I'm looking at is, uh, the sensors include ones to monitor tire pressure, ABS, assisted hill start and crash alert system, reverse assist, keyless start, driving modes, adaptable suspension, heated grips and a heated seat are also included. And mm-hmm. pay attention, Jim. The battery can also be used to power camping equipment and other electric accessories. Ooh, great. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Right. It's like they thought of everything with this bike. And so it's it's got all the bells and whistles. Like whatever you'd expect to see on a high-end motorcycle, this thing pretty much has. Yeah, but what are those stats like when you're running all the heated things? I was going to say. Yeah, well, that's exactly yeah. right. 
That's a good question too, because heated heated grips and heated other heated components definitely will draw a lot of power. So, you know, that's part of the the dance you have to do with electric vehicles. You have to, you know, you have to balance that. Um, but you know, but the fact that it's capable of doing that is is you know is really nice. So, you know, and I, now there 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 are some things in here that that do make me a little nervous. Uh, apparently, it has some sort of an like adaptive learning system that's AI based or something that learns your the way you ride and adapts to it. I'm guessing it's like uh, a Tesla that it just you're able to program all the where you want the mirrors and the seat and all the things. No, 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 no. no it's not prog- not not a programmable thing. It's this is the thing where the bike learns hmm. from based on how you ride. Okay, and it's it, getting kind it, of creepy. Like Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I'm, how, what is it learning to do? You know, how is it going to respond? How is it going to change based on what I'm, the inputs that I'm giving it? Because if I'm giving it inputs to do a certain thing, it's because I want it to do a thing, not do something different. I don't want it to think for me. Um, hmm. But I don't know anything about how that works or you know what that's like. But, but it does give me some pause. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant to to jump into something like that but who knows uh, you know maybe I, maybe maybe it's like an adaptive launch control that makes sure you won't flip the bike over backwards when you, <laughs> when you crack the throttle i don't know so i will tell you why i care about this story why do you care like and i don't that? think it's for any of the things we, we've mentioned or talked about though it's, it's one of the things in here and I don't care because it's an electric or because it's a scooter, because it has this capacity or I care because it says it has adaptable suspension. And other than mm-hmm. the Harley Pan America um, having an adjustable, adaptable suspension, this is something I think more and more bikes should have. Do you know mm-hmm. how they work? Uh, well, there's different types. So basically, mostly... Um Adaptive suspension works via magnetism, and there's iron filings in the chamber. Mm. When you apply a magnetic <clears throat> pulse a to a current, um, it moves this this um, mass around within the shock, and it can slow down or speed up the damping. It's very simple. Hmm. So it's remarkably simple. Well, in the case of the Pan America with the adaptive, you can it senses when you're slowing down and it'll lower the bike. Well, for that, you. that's something slightly different. That's actually self-lowering suspension. Is that more hydraulic yeah. or well, is it still the same thing? No, there's electronic. It's got an electronic override on it, and I think the Pan America works on a. Um, it works on a cam system for the rear. And the GS twelve fifty rally. It, it kind of weighs you and self-balances. Right. That's kind of an adapt. I mean, there's different versions. I think more and more bikes should have uh, an adju- uh, self-adjusting suspension. But, you know, yes. inevitably, the stuff we see at very, very high-end stuff, yeah. and the one thing we haven't talked about is how much this beast is going to cost. And I suspect yes. it's going to be extremely expensive. Um, yes. But the Multistrad has had adaptive suspension for years. Mm. Um, so the things we... See as high end for high end bikes now become more mainstream. Yeah, I think your GSX has got adaptive suspension, hasn't it? Oh no, it's got manual, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, it clicks. I guarantee you the 2023 or 2024 model, instead of that clicker on the top of Mm -hmm. the fork, you'll see a wire going in. 
That'd be with, fine with, with me. With like a plastic blob. Mm. Yeah. And then you'll have like a wheel on the on the. Yeah. I am jealous when I see that. You know? Yes, I know. You well, know where else we saw that is with Mert, Mert Lawwell and his prosthetic limbs for uh -huh. motorcycle riding. I don't know if you remember, but it was the same concept where the oil in the in the inside the suspension had pieces of metal or something. Yes. And depending on the electric charge, the metal would orient in different ways, right. going mm -hmm. faster or slower through the orifices of the suspension. Exactly. That's how mm -hmm. it works. It's it's really very wow. very it's one of those fiendishly simple things that works extremely well. Yeah. So that's why I care. I saw that. I'm like, I want to see that more. But it'll be interesting to see these things coming out in vehicles right here yeah. so will and, and this I, vehicle be a success i don't know but will it be a step on the road to the right the right thing this one has so much it scares me a little bit well, it's got I, a lot of get up and go. Yeah. well it's, it's yeah, also got a lot a of ripper. a lot of dongles and stuff so oh yeah right I, I want to see if it's actually gonna last <laughs> right and that's another thing too that i worry about because this is a brand new bike from a, a what seems to be a fairly new company, how reliable is this thing going to be, especially exactly. in the first year that it comes out? So who knows? We'll see. Who do you think um, the market is for this bike? I, I think this market is being uh, is, is being directed at like high-end European, like Saudis. young professional people like who Qatar. want a, a, a cool, you know, modern tech high-tech bike to ride around I and, think you know to work and stuff it's marketed at scooter riding ev nuts uh, that's part of it i'm sure <laughs> i mean any any ev nut is gonna gonna be you know be very interested in this yeah uh to especially to uh two two wheel riding ev nut um and you know and, and there are a couple other things about this that are, that are interesting too uh it has a seat height that is just over 30 inches so, so this is, even though it seems like it's a, a fairly big bike, the seat height's really low. So it's mm. accessible for smaller riders as well. All right. Well, all right. Thank and, you, Bagel. No, and oh, sure. And, and the last note is I, I, I don't see any mention of this coming to the U.S. I, I would be surprised if they yeah. bring it here. But, but if they did, uh, I would be very interested. Ah, there it is. All right. Let's, we got one more. Saving the best for last. Not necessarily. Oh, well. Um, and this comes out of Eigma, the Eigma show this year. Italian Exotica brand Bimota have shocked crowds at the Eigma trade show in Milan with a new mm. BX450 Enduro model based on the Kawasaki KX450X. I'm going to leave out that paragraph. With production said to have already started, the red, white, and green off-roader is based heavily on the 8,499-pound Kawasaki features a 449cc double-overhead cam, liquid-cooled, single-cylinder, four-cylinder motor, sits in the same aluminium perimeter frame as the Kawasaki, electronic engine management system, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> the only difference, as far as I can tell, long, uh, alongside new colors... The BX distinguishes itself from the Kawasaki with a front headlight and handguards and a slightly larger fuel tank from 10, uh, 6.2 litres up to 10.7. Otherwise, it is exactly the same as the Kawasaki. Um, I don't care about this. How do you spell it? What, what is it? A Bimota. B-I-M-O-T-A. Bimota. What did I say it was? The model? Um, BX450. I mean, it's a great looking bike. Well, here's, I mean, it feels like the only reason they care is it's an Enduro with a light. 
<laughs> well, no, the Kawasaki, no, the Kawasaki's got a light. I'm on the well, website. I don't see a light on them. Yeah. Well, oh, Emma, is this? I mean, um, Bomoda's been around a long time. Is this the first time they've done a dirt bike? Yes. That that's interesting. Well, it's interesting, but it's kind of it's 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 obsolete. I'm not saying it's obsolete because of what it is. It's not different enough from the Kawasaki to make a difference. I think the market for this bike is just somebody who wants something different and is willing to pay a massive what, amount of money. What's the power money. plant? Is it Kawasaki? It's Kawasaki. It and the frame is Kawasaki. It looks like it comes in World Cup World Cup soccer colors. Yes, it does. Yes, that's pretty much why I think well, I would, you would buy here, it. Here's what I find interesting about this. Um, Emma, the... This bike they're listing at uh, eighty four ninety nine pounds. Yes, I looked up the Kawasaki KX uh, four fifty. How much cheaper do you think that bike? No, is that, this? that eighty four ninety nine is for the Kawasaki. It's not for this bike. Oh, they're not listing a price for this bike. I, I'd, I'd go in the category. I could oh, care. I, I could see. care less. There's already so many bikes in this category. Like yeah, well, if European, you, Japanese, if plenty you, of bikes. And if you understand Bimota and what Bimota is, this bike doesn't make sense to me hmm. because it's not it's yeah. not what Bimota really is. Yeah, it's not what they do. And I guess I don't understand why they're making a bike that's so similar to to the Kawasaki. To well, the Kawasaki. I do. There is a paragraph in there which makes everything make sense, which I was kind of leaving. But I will include because I think you want me to do a little bit of a history holder. Yeah. You? So this this leads into something else. So um, this kind of leads into a, a tell me why. Yes. Um, Emma. So I was sharing a story with you when I was a, a kid. I walked into a motorcycle shop. I used to go down to this like shopping yes. area in Oakland that had like. A pet store and a motorcycle shop, just all these different an ice cream parlor, you know. Yes. And I would just go and like wander in and just look at stuff. And I remember walking into this motorcycle shop and staring at this beautiful sport bike. And it was a Bomoda. And I'm just standing there staring at it. And then a, a guy came over and said, Hey kid, get away from that. And like it 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 locked in for me that oh, there's something about Bomoda's like like I can't go near it. I'm not right. allowed near it. It's too good for me. It's right the forbidden fruit. Yeah, it the forbidden fruit. It was, for, and I, funnily enough, I have a very, very similar story. So back in 1979, when I was 17 years old, um, Mike Halewood, the Mike Halewood, mm -hmm. teamed up with Rod Gold of Heron Suzuki and opened a, a shop in Birmingham called Halewood and Gold. What a surprise. And it was very, every inch the Superbike Center, and they had absolutely everything in there, and it was just fantastic showroom. And they had a Bermotor in there. And as a scruffy 17-year-old with a Kawasaki KH250, I went in there to have a look at it, and the salesman shuffled over and is like, kid, you can't even afford to look at that bike. <laughs> right? So, I mean, they were exotic from day one. Um, unlike you, I've always shared a fascination. So who are they? What are they? Why are they? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, Jim, have you ever seen a Bomoda in the wild? Oh, I'm sure we have, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you what they look like. Very, I, mean, very, I think I've only seen maybe two or three I, you ever know, in my I life. I saw them in the 80s. Yeah, they, they pop up every now and then at the Mika auctions, and 
surprisingly, they don't fetch as much massive money as you'd think. Um, but they're always gloriously styled and they're always just beautifully made because that's Bimota. Um, so I will tell you why. Tell me why. So um, let's go back to 1966. And we have three gentlemen whose last names were Bianchi, Mori, and Tamburini. Now, remember Tamburini because he's had quite a career in motorcycle. Are you to Tamburine, too? No, not quite. Okay. Um, no, it's the smaller version called the Tamburini. Oh, that's true. They had a lovely little factory in Rimini, Italy, making heating and air conditioning components. However, they were all very, very passionate motorbikers. So anyway, um, we're going to fast forward um, six years to 1972, and Tamburini, who was also a keen motorcycle racer, wrecked his 750 um, Honda at Misano Racing Course and smashed himself up good and proper. And realized, like a lot of Japanese bikes of the period, this thing made good power, but it handled badly. And he wanted to do something about it. So back then, there were so few people who were doing upgraded frames. But the one was Fritz Egli. Oh, or Egley is Egley, or, and we've or like, talked about Egleys before. Or I mean, like he R was Rickmans. Yeah, I mean, these guys were the pioneers. Mm -hmm. But Egley, in particular, they were making frames for large, um, high capacity bikes, and so um, these guys thought, "Look, we're gonna ha we're gonna have a go at making frames that are gonna make these high powered Japanese engines handle better." And the first effort was the HB1. And the thing is with Bimotas, and they've kept this designation right up till today for the big stuff, the sporting stuff, HB stands for Honda-based. Mm. Number one was the first one they made. Um, so the first one came in 1973. Um, Tamburini really designed it. He was, he was the guy who was really the driving force. Funnily enough, that same year, Bianchi left, so it was just Mori and Tamburini who were at the controls. They made the HB1, had all the power that the 754 had, but it was 50 kilograms lighter. I have a question. Yes. So it's always been my understanding, and, and part of the reason I wanted you to talk about the Bimotas is I've never really understood it, so tell me if I'm close. I always kind of felt like Bimota took like uh, a stock Honda or Kawasaki and then replaced parts and made a better version. Because in my mind, and we've talked about this before, when Honda puts out a bike, there's certain things they're going to cut corners on right? because some bean counter said, we got to keep it down to this. So they're going to maybe not put the best suspension or maybe not put the best right. brakes on. <clears throat> so I thought then Bomoda just takes a bike and like puts all the good stuff back on and makes the best bike you can. It's a little bit more than that. And that, believe me, there were plenty of manufacturers in England that did that. 
And to a certain extent, Rickman, although Rickman made his own frames, he did plenty, uh, the Rickman brothers did plenty of bolt-on stuff as well. And Dunstall. Mm -hmm. And Dave Deegans, who ran Dresda. And what all those guys did is they'd do bolt-on components. You could bolt on better forks. You could bolt on better brakes. You could bolt on better wheels. But essentially, it was still the basic bike. What Bimota did was they plucked the engine out mm -hmm. and kept the engine, because that was the good, good stuff, threw away the exhaust system, threw away the carburation, and then built a completely new bike around that. So it was a little more than just building accessories. This was a complete bike with an, a, an engine from Japan. So the first effort was the HB1. One of the most notable bikes was the KB1, which came along in 1977, which was Kawasaki-based, because it's a K, of course. Would that have been a, a KZ-1000 or something? KZ-1000. Okay. And if you have ever had the fortune to ride one of these early KZ-1000s, they have a massive amount of power, but they are absolutely terrifying to ride because the handling was so poor. And it really took Japan a lot, long, long time to figure out handling. Kawasaki really never made big bikes that handled well until the Mark IIs came in in 1980. So it was easy pickings for people to make frames that actually made these things go around corners and lose a lot of weight. So um, we're talking low production here. The KB1 was considered a very, very popular bike. And they made 300 of them. The next one was an SB1, which was a 750 Suzuki, and then an SB2, which was 1,000 Suzuki, based on the GS750 and the GS1000. Um, again, 500 units, you're talking very, very small production. And that's what Bimota kind of was. You bought a Bimota because... The handling was absolutely superb. It was absolutely state-of-the-art material, state-of-the-art components. You lost a lot of weight. A lot of weight. You're talking 100 pounds lighter than the stock bikes. That's more than a breakfast burrito. That is a do. lot more than a breakfast burrito. Um, but they were massively expensive. I mean, and that's why they were so rare. You needed a big bank account. So... We're going to fast forward to 1983, and our friend Tamburini left the company. It's thought that it was not the friendliest breakup <clears throat> that he was forced out by Mori, because Mori wanted to push the company in a slightly different direction. And Tamburini was this very, very flamboyant designer. Design was always a big concern. Performance was always a big concern. So Tamburini went to Kagiva, and where you might have heard of him, during his period at Kagiva, he penned um, the 916 Ducati, because Ducati, as we know them now, were born out of the ashes of Kagiva, which was kind of born out of the ashes of uh, Air Mackie. But nevertheless, he, he was the guy who was responsible for the 916. He was also the guy that was responsible for the MV Augusta F4, which a lot of people think is just the most gloriously gorgeous bike in the world, and I'm one of them. 
Um, I, I guess I'm confused to how somebody is building a motorcycle company buying main component from with, another with company. Ducati, with Ducati engines? Yeah. yeah well, you know? we're going to come to the Ducati. So um, when Tamburini left, he was replaced by a younger guy who was 20 years younger, Federico Martini. And Martini really wanted to focus on the Ducatis. So he built a DB1, which was based mm. on the 750 Paso. I can break that code. Yeah, DB. there you go. <laughs> and then um, all the, the YB1 was originally an FC 750. The YB2 was an FC 1000. Now we'd got to the YB4, which was based, of course, on a Yamaha, mm-hmm. which is TZ250. Um, so they made smaller bikes as well. And mm. the hallmark of all of their bikes was lightweight, beautiful build, good design. So are these track bikes? No, these are street bikes. So are they basically out ducati Ducati, meaning... In a lot of ways, yes. We think of Ducati. Many Ducatis are a, you know, a, what do you call a boutique bike. Right. So this is a really high-end boutique well, bike. Well, we're going to come to the Tessie. Yes, yes, yes. I sent you guys yes, pictures that was of crazy. the Tessies. Did yeah. you get so, that bagel? Yeah, we're going to come to the Tessie. This one's fascinating. So the Tessie was really the brainchild of Federico Martini. And it's based on the 851 duck engine with a completely hand-built frame, leading axle front fork with hub center steering. Yeah, so can you explain that? Did you guys catch that? Yeah, you have to see a picture of it almost. Yeah. There's there's no forks. There are no traditional forks right. coming down from the handlebars. Well, forks. Which other ones have these? Who else does this? Oh, thing? no. Yamaha had their own version mm-hmm. uh, way, yeah. way back in the 90s. Um, there's and been BMWs f- use that. Yeah. Um, well, it's the, kind of. The Italjet Dragster. Yeah, the Italjet Dragster has a version Except of that's, that. That's a single-sided version, I think. Right. This is a dual, dual-sided fork. Yes. But never. Yeah. it's very, very strong. Um, well, and and for people who aren't looking at a picture, when we say fork, it is not extending down from the handlebars. It is coming out straight out from the engine. It's a front swing arm. It's a front yeah. swing it's arm. It's a front swing arm with, with yeah, a pivoting leading, wheel. Leading, leading with, a, link. with a link. Now, so you can turn yeah. the wheel. The advantage is there's no dive under braking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the geometry of the bike stays the same. The biggest problem with a telescopic fork is they stick out. You know, they stick out at an angle. And that's mm-hmm. what's called um, rake and trail. The rake is the degrees to which they stick out. And the trail is the difference between where the axle would be if you draw a straight line down the fork or mm-hmm. where the axle is. So, you know, it's rake and trail. But the, the, the key thing with a bike is when you're riding it and the forks compress in effect, the bike shortens itself mm-hmm. because as the forks go up, the wheel moves closer <clears throat> to the engine. So the wheelbase of the bike changes and it changes the dynamic of how the bike handles. That's basically why most track bikes have very, very firm suspension because you don't want these changes. To a certain extent, the swing arm does the same. This setup that was on the Tessie, mm-hmm really did away with all that. The geometry of the bike stays the same, whether you're accelerating, whether you're braking, whether you're in a turn. It's an incredibly clever, but read complex and expensive 
design. So it is mm-hmm. is that suspension adjustable or does it not oh, need no, to be adjusted? Complete, no, it's completely adjustable. Okay, I'm just trying to look at like where because the hell there's you a, no, adjust there's a, there's a shock absorber within with a spring. Uh-huh. And you adjust it as you would okay. a rear shock. Well, which is also horizontal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't even so, see it with the naked photos here. With a uh, suspension like this, and basically suspension as we know it, that is coming down from the handlebars, when you are hitting a bump in the road, it's like taking a direct hit. Right. Whereas when it, these forks are coming out from the engine horizontal to the road and you hit a bump, it's like a glancing blow. Exactly. I mean, you're, if that makes you're sense, painting right? with a very broad brush there, but it's a hugely advantageous system. So it's much more efficient. The disadvantage is it's very expensive. Yeah. It requires very specialist setting up and it is quite maintenance heavy. Now, if you're making a $10,000 superbike, having a front end that needs adjusting every thousand miles at the cost of how much per hour doesn't make much sense. But if you've got like a seventy, eighty thousand dollar superbike. Yeah, but you're already getting the valves done that frequently. Right, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Um and, and there is also one other disadvantage I wanted to mention too. If and correct me if I'm wrong, but but I believe that because of the suspension geometry, you also lose a great deal of road feel because you don't have those forks going straight down. So you don't feel the inputs on from the surface of the road like you would normally on a, on a traditional motorcycle, right? right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's actually an advantage. So um, I'm not going to go into the, to the gruesome parts, but basically since 2001, Bimota have gone bankrupt no less than three times. Mm. Why is this? Well, there's a variety of reasons. My own opinion is Japanese bikes have just gotten very, very good. If we go back to the early 70s when Bimota was founded, or the mid-70s, or even the late 70s, let's go back to the heyday of Japanese horsepower, which was the late 70s. You could waddle into a Suzuki dealer, Slap a couple of grand down on a GSX 1100, mm-hmm. which produced 110 horsepower. Yeah. It was a genuine 10-second yeah. quarter-mile machine to 145 miles an hour at the box without any modification and was absolutely fucking terrifying to ride. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely terrifying because they still hadn't got handling right. down pat. These bikes made perfect sense. So now, let's move, really, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Rufus and that generation. By the mid to late 90s, with a couple of exceptions, you could buy entry-level superbikes. Rufus was not an expensive bike when he was new. That handled well, that braked well, that did everything really well. And bespoke Italian superbikes really had become obsolete Mm. because they were better. Of course they were better, but they weren't just light years better. Were they better or betterer? I think betterer. Mo better. Mo betterer. (laughs) Because if you've got a KZ1000 that handles like a three-legged horse... And then you slap down 20 or 30 grand on a Bimota that really handles better than most race bikes. That makes sense. But then when you move along 20, 30 years 
And yes, it handles better than an FC one or an R one. Not that much. But yeah. it's still twice or three times the price. It just becomes a plaything for very, very rich people. It's not far enough uh, above the, the quality right. of the other so, device. Yeah. You know, the the advancement in motorcycles was really the death hmm. knell for them. So anyway, um, we're going to get to... Well, then I want to say I'm surprised that they haven't come out with a zero power power plant. Well, that's coming. Bike. So right? we're going to we're going to kind of come to 2014 and it was it was a deal that took to 27. Don't do that, Jim. It's it was a deal that took to 2017. But basically, the shares in Bimota were sold to Kawasaki. Oh, and Kawasaki, if you don't know. Um, are the biggest of the four manufacturers. Yeah. Not in terms of the motorcycle, but Heavy in, terms industries. Of, in terms of the parent company. Are you sure it wasn't lost like in a card game? <laughs> <laughs> it, I think that, that's more believable. It, it may well have been. Uh, might have been my <laughs> But, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Baccarat. Kawasaki totally. have plenty of money to throw about. So the deal was struck that Kawasaki would buy... 49, I think, 0.4% of the company, leaving 50.6% in control of Italy. So now they've got some financial clout behind them. We're getting more interesting bikes come out. And to me, the 450, yeah, big deal. The Tessie H2R is quite interesting from an engineering standpoint because it's got the supercharged Kawasaki H2 engine with that glorious front swing arm on it from the original Tessie from over 20 years ago. Um, Whether it's substantially better than an H2, I really don't know. It's a very different-looking bike. Um, I think... It's always been a boutique manufacturer, but I remember back in the day, a couple of people I knew who bought them, they bought them because they were really, really into bikes, and they were Mm -hmm. so much better than anything else around. That was a good enough reason. I think buying a Bimota today in 2022, you're just buying it because you want an exclusive bike, and I'm not sure whether that's a good enough reason mm. uh, to drop double the money. You know, I wonder if we've seen those at the Armor Racing. You know, because I could see like an enthusiast, right, collector enthusiast. You oh. know, because they're they're fast bikes. You know, they're well, they, and they're they great weigh, looking the, bikes. Yeah. Um, so, what if we've seen them? Like, we I mean, to keep we, an eye out now. Yeah, we the older have. bikes, the um, older bikes. I don't know because the cost to repair if you crash one, just getting right. body, body yeah. parts are almost impossible. Interestingly enough, do you know the fastest Bimota ever made? Was a BB, I think it was a BB4, which was a BMW um, S1000RR oh. based. Amazingly quick bike. And it's hard to think that that's such a, an extremely capable bike that there could be any improvements to make on that bike. But there was. I mean, there's always weight to be saved. There's always Hmm. geometry to change. And I think the thing to remember about Bimotas, they were very, very uncompromising bikes. I mean, you don't... It's not something you'd want to go distance on. I mean, it's an absolute... It's a race bike with lights on it. So, 
Um, there you go. And I, oh, I really, you. before I say goodbye, I do want to give two honourable mentions to our French friends at Motor Martin, which was oh, founded, yes, yes. founded in 1970 by Georges Martin, and they did the same thing. They took I didn't big, big, burly Japanese engines and wrapped a very, very lightweight frame around them. They didn't make it until 19, you know, they struggled along till 1980. Hmm. But they did a glorious Motomata CBX and <coughs> a Motomata KZ1000 Turbo, which was a <laughs> lovely <laughs> thing. And then finally, yeah. the British contingent, good old Spondon. And Spondon was founded in I 19- thought that was a dessert. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> Founded in 1969. Have you noticed a commonality? All of these manufacturers were founded around the same time when the Japanese bikes uh, were making big horsepower yeah. but throwing mm. people in ditches. Well, I can't believe we haven't talked about Rickman in that in that vein. Well, yeah. he did something slightly different. We're talking about the boutique guys. Mm. So um, Spondon was founded by Bob Stevenson, who came from Rolls-Royce, and Stuart Tiller. Um during the 1970s and 80s, they were very involved with Barton Engineering. Do you remember that name, Liza? No, I know Barton Pump. Was, that a, was there a car? No. No, then I don't. Buell. Oh, right, right, right. The early Buell. The early Buell had a yeah, Barton engine. Yeah, when he bought that engine. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, in 2010, um, all the tooling, all the machinery that was Spondon was sold to Norton Motorcycles. That's the ah, new Norton. Right. And it was kind of put away in mothballs. Hmm. However, one employee called Gavin Goddard, who had worked for Spondon for 20 years, started his own company called GIA Engineering. And he's currently making Spondon frames. And huh. they, are a, they are a thing of great beauty. So out of the three, Motor Martin, you have to buy a used one. Bimotor... You can buy new, but it's not the promoter of old, but good old Spondon. If you visit GIA Engineering, you can buy yourself a brand new Spondon frame. How about that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to do another short little uh, segment. I'm calling this one Separated at Birth. Uh, here's my theory that all of our motorcycles were separated at birth from their fraternal twin, which is a, a an automotive, a car. And I want to mm. go around the room and ask everyone to <laughs> guess what is the the twin to their bike. So, for instance, like I was saying, like um, my, my Africa twin, I think its twin is the new Bronco. I kind of, I kind of feel like it's a Bronco. What, you don't agree? No, I think it might be. I, I think that's a good. I don't know. The new Broncos are more like the the T sevens, a little yeah, more mid size. Uh, yeah. Well, what would you put the African twin? Out? I don't know. One of those redneck trucks, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to like I don't know an olive drab green. Oh, you you, you know? Surely you mean actually, a brodozer? A brodozer. <laughs> yeah, actually, Liza, I was over at a friend's house this afternoon. Yeah. He has a Honda side by side. That has the same Africa Twin engine and <laughs> DCT in it, <laughs> which which I call I called it the Africa Quad. <laughs> well, John, what what do you think is the the separated birth twin for the KLR six fifty? I thought a lot about this. I, spent, <laughs> I stayed up all night thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be a Ford F one fifty or a Toyota T one hundred. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with either yeah. of those. Probably more the T hundred, I think. Yeah, a little less sexy than F one fifty. Yep. We were talking about this uh, in the parking lot today, and asked Ellie what she thought her versus six fifty was, and she, said, oh, easy, it's a Subaru Forester. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's You're not right. bad. Yeah, I can totally see that. So, Emma, what is Rufus's twin? Oh, this is the easiest thing in the world. Datsun Z car. What, like the mm, yeah. no, three hundred Z. Oh yeah. Why not? Two. It's more of a two eighty, I think. Yeah, big, fast, ugly. You know, an iconic. Yeah, it's a Z car. You know, not necessarily in the best possible taste. Oh, okay, all right. No, I'll stand well, by that. Oh, I got one for your Triumph, and yeah, this one's a no-brainer. What? Range Rover. Oh, yeah. The Triumph Tiger is a Range Rover. Yeah, of course yeah, it yeah, is. Huh. That fits. Yep, I agree. See, I think there yeah. is a a separated birth twin. All right, Doug, pick one of your bikes. Uh, you know. I'm going to go with the CB400T Hawk. And oh, no. It, the first thing that came to mind is the Subaru Brat. <laughs> that's like a Datsun B210. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I go with, a Datsun B210. I think you're much closer. <laughs> that That is interesting. Or uh, or a, a Honda Civic. And, and then that's the, a Honda the, Civic. The XR650R Supermoto, the first thing that came to mind was was a, uh, a Volkswagen bug, bug, but with the sand get up with the extended swing arms. Uh, the Baja? And, yeah, the Baja bug. <laughs> the Baja <laughs> bug. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Uh, Jim, pick one of your bikes. What do you think? Uh, I is? will, of course, pick the Suzuki GSX-S oh, 1000 yeah? GT. Ooh, and ooh. its sibling, separated at birth, is the McLaren GT. Oh. The McLaren GT oh. sweeping sculpted All profile right. isn't simply our inter- inter- interpretation of what a Grand Tour can be, but what it should be. Uh, driven by everything for a reason, design philosophy, fueled by the spirit of innovation, it all starts at the core. So anyway, our iconic dihedral doors, unique in class two, versatile, spacious, and elegant form is a model of aerodynamic efficiency. So McLaren, son. Are we still in the, do we care? <laughs> uh, don't be jealous. What was yours? What was yours again? Yeah. The I'm Subaru not, Brat. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a McLaren, though. McLarens are super high end. Uh, it's a McLaren. <laughs> I want to ask you, Liza, what about your Yamaha 750? Ooh. Uh, my XS 750 yeah. Triple? Uh huh. It's like those Dodge, Dodge Bumblebees. Or like a Dodge but, Dart or but, something. <laughs> well,. Yeah, because that's a 1979, so i got to go back. It's a Chevy Nova. Okay, good. What about your... Yeah, I, I can see that. What yeah. about your SM, your 990? Uh, oh, the, nine, the 990 SMT? Uh, oh, that's a nice, nice, that's a nice car. car. Uh, SM, uh, the 990 SMT, KTM 990, it is, it's, it's grunty. It is sporty. I'm going to go with a Shelby Cobra. Mm. I was thinking more like a, like a spider. Oh, what are you? What are you thinking? Doug? I was thinking like a Chevy Tahoe limousine. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I don't go with that. At well, all. what about Emma's Harley? Well, you oh. know, yeah. I mean, it's that's bigger. that's an old Ford pickup. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's the F one fifty. That's I mean, a, that's an F one fifty all the way. It's I mean, a, or maybe the old the old lifted Broncos. Yeah, you know the old right. lifted kettle ones it that the guy gets out and more than like you a in the face. Yeah, well, more than like a Bel Air or a Malibu or something like no. that. Oh, no, 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 no. I know exactly. Tasha got is. those. I know. Remember braces. the Ford one fifty Harley edition. There you go. That's it. There you, you know? go. That, I, I mean, that's a good one. It yeah. hasn't got the, the anniversary of a Bel Air. Mm. It's it. You know, it's it's rough around the edges. It's an F one or like a like a Charger or Challenger. Yeah. All right, now hold on. I want to switch this up as we get to Bagel. Um, bagel. Mm-hmm. First, I want to know which one of your bikes are you choosing. Are you gonna go with the obvious the Vespa three hundred? Well. I was going to say, I've got a few. Well, just pick one, and then <laughs> we are going to try and guess what you think it is. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's go with the GTS 300. Okay. Because that, that was my first, the first one that I had thought of. Vespa GTS 300. What, what do you think I think it what, what's is? Its, what's its name? Um, well, my, my original 300 is cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Vespa GTS so I'm thinking, 300. Uh, I'm thinking a Fiat 500. All right, not bad. Yeah. Keep going. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of 500, though? A bot. The a bot. You Thank go. you. Exactly. Oh, that's what I was thinking. So you nailed it on the first one. We don't even <laughs> yep. have to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not just any 500. That that would be the Abarth. Not the Fiat X19. What, what, do, you, what do you see yeah. a Fiat X19? What do you see a, a Vespa as, What in Jim, in your eyes? A Fiat. A Fiat X19. I think it's a Fiat See, I was saying that it is uh, Alfa Romeo. Hmm. Um, anything, yeah. And I, you can make that argument Convertible. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can, it, there's definitely some 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 DNA there. Um, but I will say, I was going to also mention my, my vintage Vespa P200, which I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, that one, uh, in fact, a long time ago, I, I rode it to a Volkswagen car show, and there was a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia painted the same shade of blue as my bike. And ever since then, I've thought that's like my bike's automotive twin. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I, I, I do believe that every bike has a separated yeah. earth twin, right? And, and also, can I mention my, my Heinkel? Of course. <laughs> Do you want to take guesses what, what my oh, uncle's oh, twin on. would be? Um, a Studebaker. No. Mm, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. A Studebaker Hawk. I, wouldn't it be like one of those? No. Those big, no, no. It's, it's, it's not that sporty. Its twin is a Blomann Voss BV544 bomber. <clears throat> <laughs> no, is that an airplane? Exactly, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Any other car suggestions? I'm the tra- the Trey Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a two stroke though. No. That's the thing. It's a four stroke. So no. see, it's I'm thinking a four stroke. I'm thinking car. a small Mercedes. No, I, I, I you think know, that's a good guess. Yeah, like yeah. the pontoon Mercedes. Mercedes. Exactly. Back no, in the day, I, that's I, a really good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go for an Opel Cadet. Oh. <laughs> mm, that's also a really a good Citroen. guess. No, but, it's but, not a Citroen. <laughs> not quite. But, but the one that I was thinking actually was a vintage Volkswagen Microbus because it accelerates with the exact same performance. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so what would like it's, a, it's fairly big too, so you know. What would like a Royal Enfield Meteor be? Mm. What one of the new ones? Oh, uh, sure. a Yugo. Uh, I was going to say a Hyundai, <laughs> a Hyundai Automatic three-speed. Yes. Yeah, 
Oh, sorry. No, I think that it's actually it's a better quality bike than that. Um, like a, like a no, Geo Metro. So a Le Car. <laughs> oh, the Le Car. <laughs> Le Car. We're back to bagels now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think like a Geo Metro. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, just I mean, some, Suzuki hmm. something entry yeah. something entry level, but better than a friggin' Yugo. <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw what, a, what about Suzuki. a CT seventy? Oh. Oh a Gremlin. Ooh. A Suzuki, a Suzuki Samurai. Or yeah, oh yeah, that's I think a that's good better. one. Yep. That's a really good a one. C- best, no. best out of the box four wheeler you a can CT70 find. A CT70 is one of those go-karts you buy at the automotive parts store. In <laughs> 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 a pinch you can run your well, well with it. I was I was thinking the the smart car that somebody put a lift kit and big mutter tires on. <laughs> <laughs> what about a Hayabusa? Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Funny car. Hmm. Viron? Especially the extended swing arm. Lifted Hayabusa. lifted Chevelle. Yeah, it's a funny car. I'm trying to think on that one. A a busa. Is it stretched? I think lift, lift. No, just <laughs> a stock busa. Mm, would, would that busa? Hmm. So <laughs> no, a, cor- a Corvette. That's a could that's be. a fast yeah. bike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. It's or, like yeah. it's a it's a big. It, it's you know, big, anything with a supercharger, like a, yeah, like a Mach two, like, like, like an eighties Corvette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. The ones I nobody see wants. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there you go. And this is a perfect opportunity for listeners to email us and let us know what their bikes, the twin separated at birth, is. I want to hear more. Tell us what you have in your garage and what its twin is and and even more so i wonder if anyone owns the car equivalent and uh, bike equivalent as mm. a match set wouldn't Ooh. that be interesting I, i'm close with my tacoma yeah i know the yeah. tacoma and the and the, and the KLR, klr or the drz yeah that's pretty close yeah. pretty close well um we're about to get to emails but first i have a big announcement to make about our 500th episode next weekend, y'all. Mm-hmm. It is next weekend. That's crazy. <laughs> and it is sold out. Oh, wow. What? It is sold wow. out. Well, give, given out. Not because we didn't sell tickets, really. Oh, everyone's paying for it. It's just not cash. Yeah, nothing's free. Um, it's sold out. So awesome. we're going to have a full theater. It's going to be cool. a great show. There's nothing more that I could have wished for than to have a full theater of people to celebrate with us. Will there be a little standing occasion. room? Hopefully, maybe. Not really. It's a movie theater. There is no. there, there really isn't standing room. No. <clears throat> but um, thank you to everyone who have bought free tickets, <laughs> reserved tickets. Um, we are going to have <laughs> You some... get what you pay for, so <laughs> keep, keep, keep the bar low. Sometimes not even that. <laughs> we got some folks low. coming from far away, though, that are spending some money to get yeah, here. Capitola. Yeah, I hope you got no, tickets got to t- the boardwalk. Two from Atlanta. <laughs> two two yeah. from Atlanta. And we're One turning it into like a whole weekend Bagel's of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, um, so Bagel, just so you know. Oh, and Bagel, we, yeah. have, we have issues with you. Oh, well, well, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Bagel, uh, so, you know, we're doing the group ride on Saturday. Yeah. And Bagel, what were your two options for the group ride through the Santa Cruz Mountains, including Highway 1 up the coast? Uh, well, the bikes I could bring, you mean? I think you said I can or, either bring the Heinkel or a CT70. Right. If no! I could get the CT70 going. Yeah. No. I mean, those are the bikes that I could fit in, no. those are the bikes I could fit in the no. van. No. But no, that's not going to work on Highway One, right? 
They're doing. So, everyone's doing like eighty a pint. Wait, one. <clears throat> yeah. So. I think I see a KLR in your future. No, I just I. It's too it's too tall. I can't ride a bike that. If tall. I can ride it, you can ride it. It is not too tall. <laughs> I have saved the KLR for you. Why did Why didn't you lend him the guinea pig? What's the guinea pig? <laughs> the guinea pig shaped scooter, the Elite Two Fifty. That also <laughs> cannot keep up. If it were properly maintained, it might be able to. Wait keep a minute! Shots fired! Shots fired! I checked the air pressure this year. <laughs> I don't know like what I you're said. talking about. <laughs> I doubt that, Liza. Do you know why I call it the guinea pig? <laughs> why is that? It's shaped like one. No, it's not. Yes, it's it is. It's got a guinea pig nose. No, it's It not. looks just like no, a guinea not. pig. No, it goes, mm, 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 you try and start it. <laughs> well, let, let, me, let me see what I can do. Um, real quick, we have a couple emails. Uh, this one is from our friend Alan Smith. Alan. Hi, Alan. 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 Yeah. Alan. 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 No, Alan. It's Steve. It's Alan. Steve. <laughs> And this is uh, referring to last weekend when we were talking about uh, streamliners. Remember, Alan has he has the record for the longest, uh, best mileage on a streamliner, his Ninja 250. I think I keep changing the number, but I think it's around 186 miles per gallon. And he's gone cross-country. Yeah, he was here, right? Is that, did I meet him here? Alan's been here a couple yeah. times, yeah. He says, hey, um, last week, uh, another great episode. I have one comment uh, regarding streamlined motorcycles blowing around in crosswinds. Some streamlined motorcycles handle crosswinds better than others. For some reason, Craig Vetter's streamlined Honda Helix did not handle crosswinds very well. More work is needed to fully understand the dynamics of motorcycles in crosswind. I have over 100,000 miles on streamlined motorcycles. I've ridden them coast to coast many times in all kinds of weather. There have been times while riding with other motorcyclists that the crosswinds got so bad that the other motorcycles pulled off the road before me. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. So for my streamlined Ninja 250, I could handle crosswinds as good as a stock motorcycle. I must agree that riding streamlined motorcycles isn't for everyone. They look strange. No one wants to stand out that much. <laughs> Streamliners also have a different feel while riding them. Lately, I've been designing, building, and testing partially streamlined motorcycles that don't look so radically different from stock motorcycles. At this time, I don't see a substantial improvement in fuel economy with only aerodynamic windshields and luggage. At least the aerodynamic windshields and luggage offers better wind protection for the rider. And he says, hey, I'll see you at the 500th episode. Right. So cool. I find that oh, interesting nice. that we just make that assumption yeah. that streamliners cannot handle windy oh, situations no, they, get blown around. It, it, there's a <clears throat> lot saying, going on. That's not true. No, there's, there mm -hmm. is a lot going on there. And mm. streamliners, I think, by the nature of their cigar shape, they would tend to split the wind above and below if it's hit, hitting it from the side. So it's kind of, whereas if you've got a slab-sided bike, the wind's going like to hit a, it like a sail. Like a fish shape. Yes. Fish yeah. Interesting. All right, John. Rather than a tube. John, you have one there to read? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> this is from Chris Comley. Yeah, Chris. hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Chris Kringle. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the leaders. Yeah, we've met Chris. Uh, <clears throat> I just got done listening to episode 498 on the electric bikes. I want yeah. to throw my two cents in on what feature I'd want to see on an electric bike. As a long distance rider, I'd want a 200 mile range at highway speeds with yeah. a recharge time of 10 to 15 minutes. But then I thought I should ask for something reasonable and achievable. Hot dog warmer. So I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never a bad idea, Jim. Uh, so, <laughs> so I want phasers to blast the vehicles that. <laughs> 
that like to camp in the left lane on the highway all, all the time. Phasers don't work. Then I'd settle for lightning bolts coming out of the front at, for the same thing. Congrats on the upcoming 500 episode. Wish I could join you, but i got too much going on this time of year. Keep the dirtier side down. Chris. Thanks, Chris. Right on, Chris. Yeah, that, nice. that's, I think, a lot of people that want a 200-mile range and charge in 10 minutes. It's yep. basically that, what our gas bikes do. For inspiration, That'd be awesome. For inspiration, go to the Peterson Museum, which is the, the automotive museum down in L.A. Right now, they have the James Bond collection going on Ooh. down there. And there's more Ooh. shit getting mm. shot out of the front of stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you about James Bond. Just see what you got. Like find your motivation there. I think we have time for one more. Emma, you have an email there to oh read? i do actually i'm i'm glad you asked me this is from peter cox hey peter hey peter, hey, peter. hello misfits from sydney australia oh, oh. they make good mm. dirt bike tires there right they do <laughs> um short time listener first time writer here so i am wondering about the identity of the mysterious rufus Aha. Not wanting to go stalker on Miss Emma across the socials. Oh, would, join the club. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, darling. What is what is your fans only page? Yes. <laughs> I make a lot of money from that page. El- elderly anal mama. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I thought it was, oh, I thought it was no. big shrimping. Yeah, it was big shrimping. <laughs> a lot of big shrimping. <laughs> Big shrimp. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the Barbie. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Appearing with Phil's Fish Market. Um, I've tried to it's figure it out from time. the references in the pod over the first few months. I'm, I've am i got the Suzuki RF900s, the only sporty Suzuki yes. I can think of, that might lead to Rufus's name, other than an RF600 as an outside option. You know, you're absolutely right out of the box, Peter. It is indeed an RF900. Um, and, you know, he goes on to say that we all know um, it was very, very unloved when it came out in the mid-90s because it was looking for a home. The mid-90s, it was all about super sport bikes. The Honda Fireblade, the CBR900RR, won accolade over accolade because that's what people wanted back then. Um and a great bike, but it doesn't do what Rufus does. And, you know, we talk about bikes of jacks of all trades. Um, I couldn't have made that trip with you down to L.A. on a Fireblade. I would have been dead yeah. halfway. So it is what it is. So anyway, um, he, he goes on to say, we've had two years of La Nina rain events in Sydney, so I'm desperately hoping for a decent riding season this year. Didn't start well. He was skirting floods and got very wet, <laughs> heading down to the MotoGP at Phillip Island. Um, and there's about 10 years mm-hmm. of investment needed to get the roads back into the shape they were three years before the bushfires. It's all potholes and tar snakes out there. Go well, misfits. I really want to ride the PCH from LA to the Canadian border one day. So maybe I'll get a ch- chance to drop by one of these years. Cheers, Peter. Currently, he's riding. Harley Davidson Sport Glide, mm-hmm. joint custody of a Piaggio Medley 150. What's that bagel? Uh, I don't know that one. Uh, well, anyway, sharing it with mm. his wife. So it's a, mm, nice. um, he recently sold his Triumph Street Twin, and he's thinking about getting a Moto Guzzi V7850, which would be a nice choice. Comfy bikes. Um, had six 506, 650 Euro Sports. Never sold those in America. Basically, mm. it looked like a CX500 Turbo 
without a turbo. Yeah. Mm. Um, real nice <laughs> bikes. And then a BMW R100R for about 25 years. Wow. So I'd like nice. another bike that twitches sideways when I hit the throttle. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, a Moto Guzzi will do that. Uh, yours made an appearance today. Your yeah, old, uh, my, old, uh, my old V11. Yeah. Gran Turismo showed up, and I've forgotten. You blip the throttle on that, and damn near tries to throw you <laughs> off. Hmm. Um, no, it's a lovely sensation it is, and it was nice seeing the old girl again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is it. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. So four ninety nine. You got an announcement, Jim? Just one last thing. Yeah. We talked about the ride. You and I talked earlier. Just mm-hmm. if anyone's listening, so we're talking about get at the garage. I guess anytime after ten, uh, yeah. or meet at ten thirty. Kick stands up at eleven. Yeah. And we bounced back and forth different places to go. We really want to go to uh, obviously the Jameson Museum and Moto Talbot. But we're going to end up going up the coast and doing Alice's Alice's I, restaurant. It's a great choice. It's great riding. Yeah, and we're going to take you know some back roads there. I think we'll break the group up about halfway to a, if a, if a more spirited group wants to take the lead, and we'll rally at Alice's yeah. and then we'll come back down through the Santa Cruz Mountains, make a food stop. But I think it takes a lot of intersections and red lights and turns, and and if it ends yes. up being a big group ride, it's an easy destination to find. So yeah, uh, analysis is great. It's so iconic. Yeah, we're gonna oh. try to do food not at Alice's after that, but anyway, that's that's um, the plan. Just subject to change with yeah. no notice. Liza, I yes. know time is short. It's gonna be very very quick. Okay. I want to make sure that everybody knows that the Alpine training yes. tour, Catanemas. Alpine Adventure, the dates have been announced, and it is July the 9th through the 16th. So um, sign up. (coughs) I've got seven spots left. If you have never been outside America on a bike before, this is the trip for you to go on. Yeah, and when Kat was here, he threw out some different options, what kind of tour, and people voted. And so it is going to be the Castles and Curves training tour. Um, so it'll be a little bit more of an adventure and, and different things to see than last uh, time. Be picking places to eat, packing lighter, and how to plan for hotel sink laundry. Right. <laughs> things to learn. Uh, also, there's only seven spots left. So <laughs> already sign up for next year's trip. This is going to be the time of your life. There's nothing like it in the world. And it's very reasonable. Share room, it's two and a half grand. What do you get for two and a half grand? You get all hotels. You get motorcycles. You get transfers. It's it's basically for two and a half grand, all you need to find is money for lunch and dinner, gasoline for the bikes, and booze on your flight. An Italian Spider-Man, if you're interested. I was going to say, and for the cost of a few drinks, you might also get to see Emma's boobs. Yes, well... That's Amore. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you're clever, you can do the whole trip for four grand, which is nothing. Yeah, airfare is not terrible. I was checking it out. It's not terrible I just I'm I'm in the process of booking my flight... um, and I, you know, I, I'm flying Lufthansa like last time, and it was, I think, sixteen hundred bucks. So not massive money. Nice. You gonna go, Jim? Uh, I am going to Europe, but I, I'm not gonna do that trip. Okay. I got another trip later in the year planned: Scotland and Italy. Oh, oh, I, oh wow! You gotta awesome. break out the kilt. <laughs> and um, uh, yes. this is the part of the show where I, I thank people. Um, one of the people I want to thank is Law Tigers for. Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> yeah, great. 
Uh, there, they helped uh, support our costs for the venue for the 500th. So I really appreciate that. Nice, thank you. Um, and uh, especially to our listeners, our Patreon subscribers. People who like Stan, who came by today and dropped yeah. off more gear, really nice gear yeah, for the garage. Nice. The man. Stan the man. Uh, just everybody who's made up this community um, near and far that has gotten us to this 500, which is crazy. I mean, it's we know that it's bigger than just us in this room or just us who have been behind these mics. People everywhere, but we're we're part of we're all connected in that and this is what's kept us going so big thanks to everyone who's been part of this community ah so yeah next week next almost week, there it's a big party 500th yep, yep. okay i think it's time to get out of here thanks everyone this is liza stubby john emma darling douglas nigga jim son mm, bagel and we are out of here cool cool cool, cool.